Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Letter written by man. He's sat down in prison. He's writing to a letter to these incredible people in a city called Colossae. It's a city full of amazing people who had worshipped other gods before, and a man named Epaphras had come to that city, preached the gospel as he was taught it from Paul, and in that journey, gone on a journey of preaching the gospel, and people have given their lives to Jesus. And Paul the apostle has found himself in prison, and part of his prison, he's heard through his friend Epaphras, who came to visit him in prison, he's heard about some challenges coming to this church in Colossae. And so he writes from prison to this church in Colossae. He writes to encourage them. He celebrates what God has done in them. And he writes to set them free of challenges that have come, challenges that look like a call to worship other gods, Greek mythology gods, and uh, all these other gods, and a call to Submit again to the laws, the challenges of the Torah, the 613 laws. And he was so good at the laws. He says, guys, I was so good at the laws. Forget the laws. They can't buy you freedom in life. And he, he, he doesn't say it by bringing down the laws. He does it by presenting Jesus. He takes four chapters. He says, the preeminence, the priority, the power, and the glory of Jesus is all you need to know, all you need to see. And he lifts up Jesus so high. He doesn't say, sinning's not that good. It's a useless argument, by the way, because to people who want to sin, sinning looks good, and running at everything inside of you and your carnal reality, it looks good. It's not an argument that works and set people free. Don't do it. And parents try to do it with their kids. It's not that fun. You're lying. What you need to tell them is how glorious and wonderful and splendid and magnificent Jesus is. And this man writes from prison. I want to keep saying that. Because I don't know who too many people, I think of myself in prison, I'm going, what letter would I write? Church, where are you? <laughs> I think I'd write that letter, exclamation mark. Gabe should be here instead. <laughs> Note. <laughs> I don't know if I'd write, you're doing so well. I, I so celebrate what God has done in your life. But I want to warn you. Because it's well with my soul, but I want to fight for yours. And so that's what he's writing. And I want to pray a prayer that I prayed every time I preach in the series. And I pray that I'll pray every time we preach. As I start off this morning. If that's or not, tonight. Jesus, you are here. And thank you for your word. We submit to your word. We command your word. And we read your word like no other. And I pray, Spirit of God, to every heart here tonight, reveal Jesus. I pray to my heart. Reveal Jesus more, God. Please, I want to see Jesus, the risen, exalted, victorious one tonight. We praise you and we worship you tonight. Amen. I want to read from chapter 1, verse 15. And this is how the apostle presents Jesus. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things." 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I want to preach tonight, and I changed my title this morning, but I want to preach tonight about the supremacy problem. That I believe the issues of our world, the challenges of our world, and the answers we are looking for lie behind a challenge called a supremacy problem. Anybody got unanswered questions? Anyone? Got some things you're just wondering? I've got unanswered questions. And there, Google searches can help, but they only go so far. Life experience seems to take you on a journey that often confuses more. And you're going, I thought when I'd older I have more answers, but sometimes I've got more questions. Maybe the Cosmo helps you, but I promise you it'll be limited in where it'll get you. And then there are these self-help gurus that every three years will change their thoughts and presentation of truth and whatever it is because it sells more books. And maybe there are questions, and, and I'm not talking about small questions like, is it Spider-Man or Batman? We know it's Batman. Why ask a question like that? What team? And I, not those sort of, I'm talking about the big questions of life. Questions like, who am I? Sometime in your life, you're going to go, who, who am I? Maybe a question like, well, where does this all go? What's my purpose? What's the journey to here? Maybe a question like, wow, what's going on in our world? What's really happening? Or a question like, well, with all that's happening, what's the answer? Good questions. Well asked. I'm going to answer all four of those tonight. And this preach will answer every question you have ever asked in life tonight. Raise the bar. Expectations high. Let's deliver. All right. And I want to tell you, I'm going to take you to my conclusion. And the conclusion that Paul comes to in his book is that there is a supremacy problem. And the answer to all problems is Jesus is supreme. In all things, above all things, that we are tempted in many ways and to worship many other things that set themselves up to be supreme in our lives. But at the end of the day, the answer to all things is the gospel, and the gospel presents that Jesus Christ is supreme in all things. And that when we would orient and, uh, orientate and center our lives around Jesus, He'll bring His peace, His order. That He has two big reasons for this, and the first three verses present that Christ is Lord over all creation. Say all. It's a small word that's used many times, but has a big space of covering. All in the Hebrew and the Greek and every other language you look at means all. I love the, the quote from Abraham Kaper that says, there is not a square inch. Take a square inch. It's not big. Not a square inch of all humanity over which Christ does not shout, mine. Oh, but Mark, surely that's the church. No, no, that's every square inch. Every brothel in our city. Every drug den Jesus shouts mine. Every time someone walks, Jesus shouts mine. Why? Because there's not a square inch of all humanity that isn't his. Because he is Lord, creator overall. Secondly, that Jesus is not just the creator of it all. He is the founder of a new creation. 
And part of this series, the Colossians, a new way is God presents a new creation that is washed and poured out by His blood and His grace. He touches it all. So good question. Question number one, who am I? If you've never got a life in any length of time, you would have asked that question, who am I? I'm going to answer your question because modern thought says this. Modern thought says you're a random collision of atoms and, and protons and neutrons and energy. And, and when that all bounces together, you get Michael. Blonde hair, slightly receding, very cool hairstyle on the side. Beautiful eyes, eh, Crystal? Needs glasses, though. Um, with a beard, with a unique personality. With a love for people that's given by God. A unique thing. Actually, just a random act. Two people got together. Random. And, and, and it's all just random. And if you would believe that idea that actually it's just this all random thing, then the reality is there's a level of insecurity that comes with that that breeds insecurity in every aspect of our life. So if you're just random, well, what do you do with your life? The gospel says it this way in answer to your great question tonight. Verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Yes, Mark, that's Jesus, but what about me? You see what the Bible says? The Bible says in, Genesis, in, in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now let's jump back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created and Jesus was there. The heavens and the earth created. Jesus was there because the Word was with Him. And verse 26 tells us this, that God gets together, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they say, let us make man in our image. So to know God and to see God is to know yourself. You want to know yourself or you've got to see yourself in the image of the Almighty King in Jesus. You want to know who you are? You've got to see Jesus. And the Apostle Paul knows this, and he's sitting in his prison cell with not a whole lot going well in this world for him. But he had such a revelation that Jesus is King and Lord of all, that he writes to a people to encourage them, say, you want to know yourself? Get to know Jesus. Someone asked me recently, said, I said, how are you enjoying the church? Because they knew the story. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. He said, but you sing about Jesus a lot. <laughs> Nearly fell off the stage. You sing about Jesus a lot. I'm like, that's kind of the point. He is everything. It's not just the songs we sing. It's what we believe. Honestly, you got a marriage problem? Jesus. Got a finance problem? Jesus. And I'm going to explain that more tonight. But I love that he doesn't just leave us there. Well, we made an image of God. What does that mean? Well, he gives us some words through his Bible to reveal to us who we are. He says in Psalm 8 verse 5, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Who? Us. Who am I? I'm crowned with glory and honor and so are you. And then he continues, Psalm 139, he starts, the psalmist is unfolding this journey. He's asked the question himself, who am I? And he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Oh, it's not random. If you believe the Bible, if you believe the word of God, then the Bible says there is a father in heaven who knit you together in your mother's womb. We went away as elders last weekend, and one of the men, we were just telling stories of what God has done and how far He has brought us. And I told you some of them last week, but one of them, a man got up, he said, when I was 20 years old as a DJ in a club, 
I met a young lady who'd had too much to drink, and we started a relationship, and they fell pregnant. Oh, just a random act. Just a man's will, a man's lust. And she fell pregnant. But his father had always told him, don't have kids. They'll destroy your life. That's an encouraging word from a dad. So now his pregnant girlfriend at 17 falls pregnant. What does he do? He thinks, this is going to destroy my life. So he puts an energy and effort into convince her to have an abortion. 20 years later, 21 years later, she's an incredible leader in our community, a young lady in our community. They are married and have been married for 20 years, and God has restored and redeemed because there's no random acts of nothing. There is a God in heaven with grace and glory who rides into every situation. He writes his purpose, his grace, his wonder, his splendor. That is the Jesus who we serve. So who am I? I am the crowning glory of the creation of God. And I, because of that result, I have dignity, I have worth, I have purpose. So let's answer your second question. What does that mean? What is that? So why am I here? I see, I told him, I'm going to answer all your big questions tonight. Why am I here? Well, obviously, to make bucks and to go on that journey. Well, that is the way of the world. If you are a random act and you don't know what eternity looks like and there's no peace in that story, well, then you just go on the consumption cycle of the world. You consume, you enjoy it, and you work harder so you consume more and enjoy more and get more pleasure. And that cycle will just continue till you fall over. And if you're really good at it, you leave some money behind. Now, the Bible says we are created in Him, through Him, and for Him. So what is my purpose? I'm going to read again. All things have been created through him and for him. All things. Say, I am a thing. You are a thing. You're an all thing. You're in there. Sometimes we read the word, we're like, that sounds so good. And that's what the Bible says. All things. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. And there is so much theology in that one verse. We could be here for months. But what I love is he doesn't leave us guessing. He says in the all things there's the firstborn. There's the glory of God. But he came for one thing so that he could have the supremacy. You know what he wants from your life? He wants to have the supremacy. See, the ultimate purpose of all things is to bring God glory and honor because he's given me his glory and honor. He says, will you live in a way that pleases me so that glory and honor can come through your story? Why am I here? I'm here to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Awesome, Mark, works for you. You're a preacher. No. In every one of our worlds, from grade twos at school, to elderly people, through to retired people, through to accountants and gardeners, whatever your story is. One of the men who resents the glory of God so beautifully to me and presents it every time and it humbles me and gets into my soul. His name is Moses and he comes every third or second week to our house to help us with our garden. And I know the economics of it are challenging and a whole bunch of things. Moses leads a church in the city. And Moses and I begin to talk and I go walk with him in the garden because I know nothing about gardening. Like nothing. He literally tells me what to do and I just do it. And we get stuck in. But I'm going, this man, that in some ways has a job well below his ability because of a visa system and because of injustice in our nation, because he's a foreigner. But he walks into my house, standing tall with the shiniest shoes you've ever seen in your life. 
with dignity and worth upon his life because he gets to proclaim and declare and his life brings the Father in heaven glory. We've got to change up the economies that we think by. See, my life, my family, my ministry, everything that makes up who I am, everything that determines who people look at me is carried and has to be characterized by a desire to make Jesus supreme. Because there's others trying to take that role in my life. See, and we want Jesus to be supreme in all things. You see, all things means all things. Heaven, earth, excluded nothing. Nothing's excluded. Oh, just, if I just keep my money over there, my family, no, all things. So what the Bible says, rulers, thrones, oh, but what about my boss? I mean, I've got a tough boss. No, he's a ruler in your life. Oh, what about economics And, and politics, thrones, lords, rulers, all things. It's time to believe the Bible. You see, I don't want a something salvation. Do you want a something salvation? Message Jesus got, you know, he rose from the dead. Say, guys, I died, but I only died for financial sin and pride. I didn't die for sexual sin. Sorry. Doesn't sound like a good deal. Doesn't sound like the salvation that I see when I look at Jesus in his word. His salvation was complete and in all things salvation. Bro, in my past, my present, my future, my every decision, right or wrong, my everything is in the blood of Jesus washed because his blood is perfect. He says, actually, I didn't come so that you could have a something's conversion, a something's touch of Jesus. I want the all things in your life. The gospel that Paul is presenting, he's writing from prison. Again, I know I've told you that, but I'm going to keep telling you that because that's quite a thing for me. He's sitting in prison saying, guys, make Jesus supreme in all things in your life. Because he holds everything together. You see, it's an issue of supremacy. See, the ultimate purpose of all things is to bring God glory and honor, that he might have the supremacy in all things. So, Mark, your next question was, well, where does it all go wrong? What are the challenges? Where is it all falling apart? Well, he tells us in his word. He says, for God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. There's the answer. You know why there's chaos in our world? Because there's a thing called sin, evil behavior. That which comes against God, His Word, His purposes, His holiness is everything. And we live in the middle, guys. Sometimes we live and we walk around the earth like it's done. No, Jesus has come and we have access to heaven and we have His promises and we have His goodness and we can be made sons. We are no longer orphans, but the fullness of His kingdom is still to come. That's what the Bible says says there's still a fullness, and when that day comes, there will be no more brokenness, there will be no more chaos, but in this side of eternity, in this side of the fullness of coming of God, there's still some evil desires, there's still some brokenness, there's still some sin in our world. And He's calling us in this space, in the confusion of this space, to make Jesus glorious, to make Him supreme above all things. And when we make Him supreme above all things, He gets the glory. See, where it's all going wrong, well, it starts with me. My sin, my brokenness, my story, that's why I need Jesus. And he breaks. And see, the problem is not the fact that we don't acknowledge the supremacy of God. The problem is we give supremacy to other things in our lives. And here's the challenge. We all love an omnipotent God, someone who with all power, all authority, can be anywhere in our place. We love the knowledge of that. So when the bad ball comes or the bad day comes or the economy falls apart, we run to him. 
because we know he's got all power. We love that. But you know what? God is also, he is sovereign, which means he doesn't need my opinion all the time, which means he actually doesn't need the strategies I have for my life because he's sovereign. And when we have a God who is omnipotent, not sovereign, and we still hold the cards, we think we're in control, and we can go to him when he wants, says, I'm not that guy. I am both omnipotent and sovereign in your life. I'm looking for you to come and place yourself in the mercy of God. But when I understand who he is, I trust that journey, and I can place myself securely like Paul in a prison and say, God, you are supreme. And he's throwing himself before the mercy of God, saying, God, I might be in a prison right now, but in the light of eternity, in the bigness of that story, you are still supreme. And church, in Colossae, I'm writing to you because I need you to go. And church, in Tableview, I need you to understand that Jesus is supreme. Forget your circumstance for now. Lift your eyes and fix your eyes on Jesus. Stop fixing your eyes on the challenges and see Jesus, who is above all things. Ah, I love the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the writer of Hebrews. He says, well, what's the journey? He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the pioneer of our faith. And I love Paul's argument here. He's not trying to take everything else down. So he talks about these gods and he talks them down and uses apologetics and a whole bunch of clever words. Oh, they're not worth it. He doesn't waste his time on any of that. He says, guys, there's some stuff there. But let me tell you about Jesus, who's supreme. He's far, far, far greater. He's not just a little bit better, a good option. He's far, far greater. Fix your eyes, not on, don't fix your eyes on your faith. Don't fix your eyes on your career. Don't fix your eyes on your kids. Fix your eyes on Jesus and watch his peace and order come to our lives. And we love this scripture at Christmas, Isaiah 9 verse 6. You can almost hear the Christmas tunes in the background. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who wants the Prince of Peace? I, I want the Prince. Who wants the Everlasting Father? Who wants the Wonderful Counselor? I want all these things. And we go, yes, yes, yes. And he says, well, I want the government that's on his shoulder to be the government in your life. Oh. It's not T's and C's written at the bottom. It's written very much at the top. It says, the supreme God of all is both omnipotent and sovereign in your life. And it, it outworks itself in different areas of our lives. When I sit with people, I, I sit with and I love sitting with marriages that are in trouble. And you know what I tell them? I tell them about Jesus. Because I honestly believe any marriage that will humble themselves like Jesus did on a cross, like Jesus did who died for his bride. And he laid himself down at that level of humility. There's the power of heaven to break into every situation. And I sit with people in finance and people say, well, I want heaven to pour out. I want the omnipotent God to break into my life. And I'm saying, do you want the sovereign God to bring his government into that same life too? Because that's the package. Oh, Mark. And I want to tell you what that looks like. It's his ways. It's his word. It's his truth. It looks like work hard. Honor your boss. And if you are the boss, pay well. And pay people. Pay your taxes. Yeah, simple things. But 
powerful things, promotable things, things that sons who have a good father and understand that eternity is covered anyway, my future is banked for anyway in the goodness of God. I can trust him. I'm not living a small back and be generous like our God is generous, generous to his kingdom and generous to the world around with our time, our talents, and our treasures. I love this man's story. Yes, it's your birthday today, so you get the light. Can we have a light on him, please? Don't do that. But actually, he's been working, and, 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 and he's a finance man who studied finance and is going to a, an amazing, amazing job. But in the interim, he's been waiting long hours at night, working till 2 in the morning, and then comes here at 9 o'clock in the morning to serve this community, and he's not paid staff. And he's been serving, and he's been trusting God for a great job, and he's been sacrificing, and been sowing seeds, and he's been trusting, and he's just got a job on the 16th floor of some fancy building in town that he can see us from because he's such a lonely up in the clouds there. But I'm telling you, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence, not a random act. He walks into a, 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 a and the, the person who's, who's facilitating the interviews takes liking to him and says, okay, this is who you're going to meet, and this is who they are, and I want to encourage you in this, and gives us insights. I'm going, that's on random acts. That's a favor of God on his sons. And when you align yourself with the will and the ways of God, and the fact that he is both omnipotent and sovereign, there's a powerful journey called the kingdom of God on the other side, and the gospel begins to take traction. You know who gets glory? He gets all the glory. So what's the answer? I know who I am. I know where I'm going. My purpose, the Bible tells us that. And it tells me that the challenge is sin in our evil ways. But actually, what's the answer? Well, well, he gives us an answer. You see, the world says there is an answer. Go on some random journey. Even any religion in this world will tell you this. Have some kind of religious encounter and start living a good life. A good life. Do really well. Work really hard to live a good life. And on the other side of banking up a whole bunch of good activities, maybe, just maybe when you get to the end of their life, there's a God or a supreme being or someone on the end of that journey who's looking at your life. They'll tally up your goodness. They'll tally up your badness. And they'll go, oh, you're through. It's not what the gospel says. You know what the problem with this argument is? I know I'm not good. Some of you are like, yeah, we agree. You're not good. No, I didn't need to be told what it was to be naughty or, 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 or do broken, evil things. At eight years old, yes, I was shooting cars with a pellet gun on Ridge Road. At nine years old, I was taking the granadillas off our vine on the wall and hitting them over our neighbor's wall, who was a paraplegic as 150 granadillas fell in his pool. I, no one taught me how to be naughty. I know I'm not naturally good. And you've got your own stories. I know I'm not good. So I can try to rack up as much good, but I know outside of Jesus, outside of his blood, and outside of his leading his ways, I'm not naturally good, and my story's not going to line up. And even all the good things I've done, how does it undo the bad things that I've done? The people I've hurt and the people you've hurt. Nothing can do that outside of the blood of Jesus. Nothing. I love 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake he has made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just... Just process that for a second. It doesn't say you get righteousness. It says you become the righteousness of God. You become it. So here's what your options are. Either the Bible's lying or God has allowed you to become the righteousness of God. So forget my badness or goodness. I get righteousness and I become it. I become it. And I might not always walk in it. I might not always act like I've become it. But there's a journey. 
I love this presentation of verse 19 and 20. It's from the Passion Translation. It says, For God is satisfied to have all His fullness dwell in Christ. And by the blood of His cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to Himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Why? The blood of Jesus. See, here's the big idea. You're struggling with cycles of sin in your life, coming to church, feeling oppressed, shameful, phoning people, I've done it again. I want to tell you, you don't have a sin problem. Struggling with confidence, you don't have a confidence problem. Finance chaos in your life, you don't have a financial sufficiency problem. Emotional turmoil in your life, you don't have an emotional problem. What Paul is saying in the gospel of grace in the book of Colossians, he says you have a supremacy problem. Other things have lifted themselves up in your life and you've worshipped them and then found that they were empty. Things like materialism, consumerism. You've worshipped them. Things like lust, worship them. And you get to that end journey and you realize they were just empty promises because there was a supremacy issue. And the gospel, he writes from his prison cell. He says, guys, I just want you to see Jesus. I want to give you three application points of this preach. Because I think there's decisions we need to make. I've got three boys. I'm very aware they're going to walk journeys. They're going to have to make decisions in their life. I can't make for them. I can be a signpost in their life, hopefully a sign and a wonder. But they'll still have to make decisions. And my encouragement number one is choose him. And don't just choose him, but choose him confidently. Choose Jesus confidently right now. Chaos in your life, choose Jesus. Choose him because he is good and faithful. And there's something this man knew, a man who was promoted in the world in so many different ways, but encountered Jesus, a man who on a road to Damascus encountered the glory of the living God, lost his sight for three days so that he could gain his vision of Jesus. And something happened when he lost his sight. Sometimes you've got to lose your sight so that you can see Jesus. Because we become so self-dependent, so self-justifying, so self-confident. And there's a place where you come back to, I choose Jesus because he is supreme above it all. He's not part of my package. He is my everything. Choose Jesus. Point number two, glorify him. And we spoke about it last week or the week before. Live a life that pleases him. But allow his glory to come to your life. Whether you are accountant, work hard, bring glory to God which looks like dealing with tough situations in ways that honor God, calling people on things. I love stories of, of a man in our community a little while ago who challenged his boss on issues of actually justice and, and the law of the land. He ended up losing his job, but God has restored. And I honestly believe in journeys like that. There are sonship journeys where God gets massive glory. Glorify God in your life. Glorify Him by the decisions you make to do certain things and not to do certain things. And lastly, I want to encourage you, pursue Him. Oh, Mark, that's that touchy-feely Christian stuff that other people do. I'm just like a pragmatic thinker. You know, I'm like an analytical guy. No, rubbish. Rubbish. Pursue Him. You see, the currency of heaven and the currency that God says on this earth is a currency of hunger and thirst. Do we all know what hunger and thirst is? Hunger and thirst. Well, hunger for Him. Thirst for Him. Pursue Him. 
God was always only ever looking for a people who were pursuing him. And he takes his people into a desert because he wants to teach them what it is to trust him, to pursue him, to choose him. And like Moses, we can all come to the rock sometimes and strike the rock with our rod. And water will come from that rock because God is so gracious. But God's saying, I'm choosing a people who will listen to my ear. So that the end of the story is a people who will pursue me to a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's all I ever wanted from my people. He'll trust me. He'll choose me. He'll magnify me and glorify me. He will choose me again and again and again. And Paul just presents the gospel. I love Deuteronomy 10, sums it up in verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. It's like the introduction of a boxer to a ring. Imagine, this is it, the music going, the Lord your God, God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty. If I know this gig doesn't work out, I'll try. Ring presenting. I want to give you one story. It's an analogy that I saw a man named Ray Bevan preach. It's the gospel of people's lives. When we trust him, and the, he, he takes the story, he uses a woman in a boxing ring. She's fighting a battle. It's a battle of shame. It's a battle of guilt. It's a battle where the, the enemy's against her, and the opponent is the devil, the accuser, the reminder of her brokenness. And they begin to fight, and he's throwing accusations like punches, throwing accusations, and he hits her, one, that she can't take, and she goes down. And the crowd are for her. They're shouting, saying, come on, get up, get up. And the, the ref begins to, to count her out. One, two, and the crowd are going, come on. And she can't breathe because the air got knocked out of her. And the truth is that the, everything the accuser was shouting was true. Four, five, and the crowd's going, come on, get up, come on. Six, seven, get up. Eight, nine, ten. And the crowd goes quiet. You ever been counted out? Counted out in your marriage, counted out in your dreams, counted out by sin, cycles of sin in your life. Heard the number 10 shouted time and time again. And the devil's in his corner and he's claiming the victory. He's claiming, he's running around, he's going, this is it. I've got her. I've got her. She's down. She's out. And the crowd are quiet. Nothing's going on. And then you just hear something. 11. 12, 13, and, and everyone's like, what's going on? She's on the ground. Her wind's beginning to come back. She's finding an ability to get up. 15, 16, 20, 25, and she begins to stand up, and she looks across the referee who's counting, and she just sees grace. Grace. Jesus. See, this man's writing from prison. Saying, guys, I, I might have been counted out now. I might not even get out of this prison, but I want to tell you about the sovereign king who wants you to choose him, wants you to trust him. Maybe you've been counted out in your story. Paul presents the gospel to us. He says, our God and king. Can we stand together? Last week as I preached, we ended with a simple prayer. And we just, actually not even prayers, but declarations. We said, Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my King. Jesus be my everything. I pray that tonight we would come under the Word of God. 
You know what happens? The Bible says when you preach the word of God with courage and conviction. It says we'll see signs and wonders. Let's close our eyes just for a minute. I even pray right now, God. Pray for signs and wonders. If you need a miracle in your life, you need healing in your body. You need restoration in your marriage. You need God to break into your finances. Why don't you reach out your hand to him right now? Right now, the Spirit of God, the Word says, where the Bible, where the Word is preached, where the Gospel is proclaimed, we'll see signs and wonders. We ask right now for signs and wonders. Also that you could get all the glory. With your hand raised, I want you to throw yourself before the omnipotent and sovereign King. Will you say with me, Jesus be my King. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my everything. So Jesus be my King. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my everything. Oh God. Right now, if you've heard the count of the enemy, the count of the referee in your life, seven, eight, nine, ten, and the crowd's gone silent in your story, will you hear Jesus? He's still counting. He's still calling. He's still longing to see his grace take traction in your story as we have one job. The Bible says we have one job, one response or two responses that open up the favor and the glory of heaven in our lives. In John chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Your job and my job is just to receive and believe. It doesn't say to those who'd repented fully, to those who'd got it all right, to those who'd been to church every week this year. It just says to those who would receive and to those who would believe. Welcome to the grace of the living God. He is gracious. He is kind. He is faithful. And maybe the crowd's gone silent. I promise you, he's still counting. He's still calling. He's still restoring. Spirit of God, as we started, I pray, as we finish, show us, Jesus. We thank you, King. Amen.